You're listening to the ESPN Radio 94.1 podcast page, accelerated by Sports Innovation X. Six is bridging the gap between tech, athletes, and teams. Check them out at sportsinnovationx.com. Live from Hampton Roads in the heart of the 757, it's the Tim Donnelly Show on Priority Auto Sports Radio 94.1. Tim Donnelly Show, Priority Auto Sports Radio 94.1. Just to give you the, the, the update one more time, you just heard it in Robbie's update. Uh, the Commanders releasing Carson Wentz. Saves $26.17 million against the cap. The most expected move of the offseason. Uh, if you heard that and said, oh, wow, uh, that just means you, you're, not, you're not really paying attention. That was coming. We knew it. So $26.17 million against the cap saved. Uh, just for reference, uh, nobody on the commanders has more than a 21 and change cap number this year. John Allen being the top at 21.7, I believe. So uh, that's, that's a lot of money. That's essentially two and a half cap hits of someone like Terry McLaurin. So they, they should be able to take that money and do some good things with it. Should is the key word there. Uh, elsewhere in Commander's News, Jeff Bezos reportedly very interested in purchasing the Washington Commanders from Daniel Snyder, who is accepting bids. He's just reportedly not allowed to make those bids. The NFL is reportedly very interested in Jeff Bezos joining their fraternity of owners. He's just reportedly not allowed to make those bids. Yeah. Yeah. These are billionaires feuding with billionaires. Normally we see millionaires feuding with billionaires. This is billionaires feuding with hundred billionaires. That is is a a beast of of a different kind, right? Chris Russell on the Lockdown Commanders podcast. We were thinking, based on a report by Charles Gasparino of Fox Business Channel, Jeff Bezos was the leader in charge. Dan Snyder was asking for $6 billion. Well, right after we put that episode to bed, David, the New York Post came out, and then Ben Standing of The Athletic and Odyssey DC doubled down on Saturday saying that Dan Snyder is not going to sell to Jeff Bezos and not even allowing him to bid to purchase the commanders, this following the Washington Post report that Bezos hired Allen and company in order to examine whether or not to submit a bid. How about that? Little, little petty. Are you surprised? Shouldn't be. I shouldn't be, but I was. Imagine Dan Snyder reportedly has a, and this all comes from the New York Post when I say reportedly, uh, a $6 billion cutoff. He, he wants to get at least $6 billion for the team, which would be a billion three-ish more than any team's ever sold for. So $6 billion is his cutoff. Uh, he's getting up near five and a half. So he's got to find an extra half billion dollars. And the guy who is most likely to get him to his cutoff, Dan Snyder's not allowing to bid. Jeff Bezos is worth $116.7 billion, according to Forbes. He was prevented from entering the private auction, though he wanted to participate, the New York Post sources said. What? As the Post has previously reported, again, the New York Post, Snyder holds a grudge against Bezos, who owns the Washington Post, 
which published a series of exposés alleging Snyder enabled sexual harassment at the maligned NFL franchise. This is a personal grudge? You're going to turn down $6 billion potentially, more potentially, over a personal grudge? Because the owner of a publication didn't step down and become an editor and say you're not going to post that? Or is it something else? Is it Dan Snyder wants to so obviously feel or seem or be portrayed as he is winning the deal and nobody is portrayed to be winning a deal when Bezos takes it over because he just gets the benefit of the doubt? It's like when when Bill Belichick cuts a second-round pick, nobody goes, wow, what a failed draft pick. They go, whoa, what a visionary move to cut his losses and move on. Like as soon as Bezos buys the team, whoever sold it, it's like, oh, man, he wanted it, you didn't? I'll tell you what Snyder is like. This and this is a. I want to be clear. A metaphor. It's like my 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 toddler at home. I have I have a one and a half, almost two year old son. And and as of right now, he has a bunch of words that he that he knows. Like you got to kind of know him to get what he's saying. But one that he knows and he can use aggressively is no. Right. And 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 it's it's taught us a little funny game, right? Like, oh, you want to go to bath time? No. Oh, you want to come with me upstairs? No. If you're outside playing, time to go home? No. But if you make him think it's his idea, heck yeah, right? You want to eat dinner? No. All right, well, I'm just going to eat these chicken nuggets myself. Then he's like, oh, I want some. Right, you got to make him think it was his idea. I feel like that's kind of how you have to treat Dan Snyder. Bezos shouldn't have been looking in to make an offer. He should have just been available for Dan Snyder to reach out to and try to sell him. You got you got to make it think that it you got to make him Dan Snyder think that it's his deal that he's setting it up that he's coming with the parameters. He's not going to allow anyone to be the driver of the deal that takes him out of ownership of the Washington Commanders. And and now he's willing to hold on. He doesn't have to sell. A, he wants to. We know, you know and and I've said this a bunch of times. As soon as you start taking bids, there's a number, right? Even if you're taking bids and saying, I don't, I'm probably not going to sell. I just want to see what the market is. There's a number that when it comes across your desk, you go, can't say no to that. And I think that's what Dan Snyder's worried about. He's like, there's a number. Bezos can probably, and, and probably means definitely, offer that number. So I'm not even going to let him say it because then I, I won't be able to stop myself from accepting and I, and I want to still be the owner. That's tough. And by the way, if you're Jeff Bezos, I know he, had, he brought in a company or whatever, Allen and company to, to look into the financial viability. What's the point? If you're worth a, just, we'll, we'll roughly say 115 billion, which by the way, I just, I just threw away 1.7 billion in my, my rounding right there. It's like, that's how much money this guy has. When you just go, let's just call it a round number, you you move it almost $2 billion. If you want the team, get the team. Right? Dan Snyder doesn't want you to make a bid. All right, well, tell him the bid I'm not allowed to make is $6.5 billion. See if that changes his willingness to listen to my bid. There's not many people on the planet that can big chip stack bully Dan Snyder. Dan Snyder, by the way, according to Forbes, $4.9 billion. Not many people in the world that can big chip stack bully that guy. 
Jeff Bezos is one of them. If he wants it, do it. And and that sound you hear is so many of, of Washington fans going, anybody but Snyder. Tillman Fertitta is reportedly getting in the mix. We'll talk about that later. Because, because here's the thing. Washington and kind of NFL teams in general try to make you believe that there is a wall built that you can't penetrate between the locker room and the and the, the people that are focused on winning football games and the front office that deal with the business side, but there there really isn't, right? The, the way that, that that wall comes down is in the ownership suite. Like, yeah, ticket sales can't go to the coach and say, hey, we need a more impressive, more exciting product, right? The people that sell the tickets can't go to the offensive coordinator and say, call more deep balls. But... The owner can hear the business side coming to him saying, listen, revenues are down. We can't sell tickets. The product's not moving. And the owner can go to the the locker room side of things and say, hey, listen, this draft, we're trading for the most exciting or we're, we're going to draft the most exciting player because we need business to be a little bit more healthy. We need to sell more tickets. The ownership suite is the one that can go on both sides of that wall. So like the actual on-field product is impacted by ownership. If Jeff Bezos is the guy, guess what? You're probably operating more like we've seen Denver and and Carolina operate this offseason where you're spending the most for coaches, right? Sean Payton wants 18 million. Cool. We're the Walton Penners. We got it. Frank Reich wants to hire super experienced and or super buzzworthy assistants. Cool, you can do it because David Tepper's got it and he can afford the extra money for the assistants. If you get Jeff Bezos, you're getting that also. If you have Dan Snyder, probably not. And that directly affects winning. Or losing. On-field product probably would, would have been the better way to say that. It directly refle- reflects the products put on the field on Sundays, Thursdays, and Mondays. And probably how many times you play on Thursday and Monday. (laughs) How many times the league wants to feature your team. Because they're about that money also. Jeff Bezos being blocked from bidding. Fascinating. Interesting business decision by Mr. Mr. Dan Snyder. We'll see how it plays out for him. Tim Donnelly Show, Priority Auto Sports Radio 94.1. Do you think Snyder sells now? We've ridden this roller coaster a billion times. Do you think he sells? Why or why not? 757-687-9494. Also, speaking of money, speaking of really rich people, at what point in time do you just look to the players on the San Diego Padres and say, let's pool your money together and buy the commanders? Manny Machado's got a lot of it coming his way. Coming up next. Need a break from the winter cold? Don't wait for the spring thaw. Tim Donnelly is just heating up. This is the Tim Donnelly Show on Priority Auto Sports Radio 94.1. Tim Donnelly Show, Priority Auto Sports Radio 94.1. Manny Machado paid. Manny Money Machado. Huh? Got paid. A big time, big time, big time, big time payday. Another one coming from the San Diego Padres. Before we get to that conversation and basically the Padres putting every other small market team on blast. Uh, before we get there, I want to go to the text line. I've been encouraging you to text in uh, throughout the show. Dream Lawn's text line, 757-687-9494. Uh, and at least one texter put it very, very eloquently uh, in the Dan Snyder race as to why 
or the, the race to purchase the commanders from Dan Snyder as to why he might not be super jacked up to sell to uh, Jeff Bezos, who he's reportedly blocking from, from purchasing the team. Uh, here's that text. From the 703, Snyder's ego won't allow him to sell to anyone who can and will spend the money to make the team relevant. It would lay the team's mediocrity during his ownership at his feet. It is a funny that like that's very eloquently put. It's very well put. Great, great text. Um, it's the same thing as if you ever get benched or you get hurt and and your replacement comes in. Right, you're virtuous. You you want to think that you're just rooting for the team to do well, but a small part of you is like, I don't want them to do better than me. Dan Snyder might be looking around, going, "Listen, I pinched pennies a bit as the owner of Washington, and that may have held back our team. I don't want to sell to a guy that's not going to pinch any pennies because if they win, that's going to make it look like I was the problem." Right, the same the same way. If your team is like, you know, zero and five, and you get benched, and then they win the sixth game. You're going to be like, man, it makes me look like the problem, doesn't it? It's, it's, and if you're Snyder and, and you are someone that, that many believe thinks in a selfish manner, that might be louder neon lights flashing in your brain. And you might go, no, I'm not going to sell that person. I'm going to sell to someone that is stretching their means financially to buy it from me because then they'll operate in a similar way that I operate. Again, it's, it's a bit selfish, but hey, if you're surprised, raise your hand. I think all of our hands are down. From the 757, talk a little bit more about the baseball rules and do people like the the pitch clock and all that stuff. From the 252, I like anything to speed up the game. I just wish they would be using computer technology for the balls and strikes. I'm fine with computer technology for the balls and strikes. If that actually speeds up the game, I think that's much better than a pitch clock. But again, I just don't think the big problem is speed of the game. I've never heard anyone say that game was three hours. I would have loved it at two hours. And and by the way, it's not going to cut an hour off of game times. It's going to count 10%, not a third. So it's like, I'm, man, that game, three hours and 15 minutes, unbearable. Two hours, 45, love it. Like that, I've never heard that. If you're going to do that, just go like six innings. <laughs> let's, let's play Little League games, huh? 10 run rule, all that kind of stuff. Let's put them in there. How about it? Tim Donnelly Show, Priority Auto Sports Radio 94.1. Yeah, you want to cut a game down to six? Manny Machado getting paid $350 million over 11 years? They wanted to play 14-inning games, get their money's worth. Where in the world are the Padres getting all this money? That's that's. I've asked it like four times in the last two years. Where is it? Did... did is there, I mean, I know they have a good weather system out there. It's nice and sunny, a little bit of rain. Like, are they, did they literally find the money growing tree? I don't, where's it coming from? Jeff Passan on SportsCenter on how the Manny Machado deal got done. Well, there was a February 16th deadline in place. And when that passed, Manny Machado looked like he was going to test free agency. Instead, his agent, Dan Lozano, met with AJ Preller, the general manager of the San Diego Padres. And when that happened, they were able to come together on a deal that is going to be the fourth biggest in history, which is incredible considering where Manny Machado once was. Remember, he was out there for a while in free agency back in 2019. San Diego rescued him, but along the way, he really helped rescue the Padres too and take them to the point where they can actually win a championship now. Well, yeah, they can win a championship now because everybody's getting hundreds of millions of dollars. 
Manny, I mean, we really should consider giving him the nickname Money Manny Machado. He already made $101 million and change in his first four years in San Diego. And now they're committing another 11 years and $350 million to him on this new extension. If you add in his money that he made in Baltimore during the arbitration years in his first contract, he's a half a billion dollar player in his career. Fully guaranteed. Half a billion. Money Manny Machado. But let's look elsewhere on that uh that 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 roster. This is a small market, right? This is San Diego. This is not New York. This is not LA. This is not Chicago. This is not one of those, not even Houston or Atlanta. This is San Diego. Manny Machado, 11 years, 350 million. Fernando Tatis Jr., 14 years, 340 million. Xander Bogarts, another one from this past or this this offseason. 11 years, 280 million dollars even guys like you darvish six years 108 million joe musgrove five years 100 million they still have to come shortly juan soto josh Hader. those guys are going to be expensive the padres average contract this is per, per spotrack their average contract which means you take all their players average length average years 3.8 years, $64 million on average. They are single-handedly ruining the argument that small te- small market teams can't pay. Like the, the, the Mets, they go nuts. They start spending. They give Verlander all the money. They, they Guess what? You can sit back and go, well, it's the biggest media market in the country. They have a billion, billion, billionaire owner who's come in and he wants to shake things up. Fine. When San Diego goes nuts, you're going to get like Oakland mad, Minnesota mad. You're going to get Kansas City mad because they're looking around going, what's going on here? Why can't we do that? Even if they're planning on like Manny Machado 11 years, 350, playing him for two and trading him, that's still a risk. Like you still have to have it in case. I, I, if your kid is out there and they're showing any form of athleticism, I mean, I'm not saying force them to baseball, but but put a glove on their hand, see if they like it, right? Expose, give them, give them like one year of t-ball. Maybe they'll fall in love with it. You could be on easy street, especially if you're someone like Manny Machado or Fernando Tatis, because they didn't even really do the busing through the the minors thing because they were brought up at 19 and 20 years old to the bigs. That's a lot of gosh darn money. And you got to think they they got to be looking toward re-signing Juan Soto at the end of this year. Juan Soto and Josh Hader, both are coming up due. And trust me, like, when you see your teammates making that kind of money, that doesn't make you want less money, right? That makes you want, well, you gave him 350 I'm younger, I'm better, I want more. I, like, just imagine if they win this year. Because if they're winning, that like, if they're losing... It's a catastrophe, but guess what? Then at the deadline, you're selling Juan Soto for the world, right? You're you're saying, hey, he's a rental, but give me all of your young prospects, all of your picks to a contender. If they're winning, they're going to keep both of those guys, which you'd expect them to be winning because they have a billion dollars in one, two, three, four, five players. You'd expect them to be winning. Then then Juan Soto is going to be worth just more this offseason, as is Hater. It's a lot of money. Baseball makes no sense to me. They're changing all of the rules to be more attractive because the television rights aren't where they want it to be while simultaneously they're spending 
ridiculous amount of money on players. It's like, what is it? Are you hurting or are you rolling in it? Are you, are you down and out or are you caking? Which one is it? Because you're spending like you're caking, but you're, you're trying to sell us that you're down and out. It's like the, the buddy that's like, you know, your roommate in college that is saying like, ah, you know, could you front me a little bit for the electricity bill? And then you're out on Friday and they're buying shots for the room. And it's like, wait a second, do you have it or do you not? Right, because you're you're putting on all these weird rules to change the game so you can get bigger television rights, and then you're giving Manny Machado a billion dollars, half half a billion dollars in his career. I literally just had to adjust because I was saying a billion as if it were an exaggeration, like a billion, and then I was like, well, actually, people might believe that because it's getting close. Half a billion dollars. Baseball is an oxymoron. Tim Donnelly Show, Priority Auto Sports Radio 94.1. Call in 757-687-9494. I want to hear your voice. Uh, But also, this story might be even crazier than the last one. Byron Jones is three three years removed from being the highest paid corner in the NFL. He tweeted out that he can't run or jump because of the injuries he suffered on a football field. Crazy story coming up. In the pocket and calling the shots for Hampton Roads. It's the Tim Donnelly Show on Priority Auto Sports Radio 94.1. Tim Donnelly Show, Priority Auto Sports Radio 94.1. Can we have an honest conversation about football real quick? The sport? It's a physical game. All right? like We should emphasize that. It's manual labor. It's gladiator sport. Okay, let's just that's the basis of it, and we'll go from there. Again, it's the Tim Donnelly Show, Priority Auto Sports Radio 94.1. Byron Jones is three years removed from being the highest paid cornerback in the NFL. He tweeted out that he can no longer run or jump. I don't see it as the revelation. I don't see that revelation as the the catastrophic bit of news that that many are making it out to be. But first, let's lay the whole background here, right? Byron Jones is eight years away from setting the combine on fire. He had uh, easily the longest broad jump in history, and his vert was equally as impressive. Byron Jones resumed with that broad of 12-3, which is eight inches better than anything else we've ever seen here covering a combine on NFL Network. Assume the vertical would be good, right? Yeah, it had to be 43 to 45 based on that. And how about 44 and a half? Wow. Watch where his feet ends up. <laughs> oh, my gosh. It keeps going. That is ridiculous, man. 12-3 broad jump and 44 and a half vertical. Absolutely bananas. Maybe the most explosive player uh, in, in combine history. Just pure explosion. Nine didn't have the straight line speed of some guys, but pure explosion, crazy. And then, he, like I said, he converted it, right? It, it translated. He became the highest paid corner in the NFL. Over the weekend, he retweeted a video of his record-setting 12-3 broad jump at the 2015 NFL Combine, and he said this. This is direct from his Twitter. Much has changed in eight years. Today, I can't run or jump because of my injuries sustained playing this game. Do not take the pills they give you. Do not take the injections they give you. If you absolutely must, consult an outside doctor to learn the long-term implications. Close tweet. And that becomes 
a bit of viral information, right? That is very, very, very bold and, and very, very, very interesting for many. So it goes all across the internet. Once it does that, right, once the tweet picks up traction, he tweets again, replying to that tweet. It says, it was an honor and privilege to play in the NFL, but it came at a regrettable cost I did not foresee. In my opinion, no amount of professional success or financial gain is worth avoidable chronic pain and disabilities. Godspeed to the draft class of 2023. And this led to a million think pieces, a million conversations, a million. That's what's wrong with the NFL. Mike Florio on Pro Football Talk jumped in. Look, there's a lot there that, you know, is a tough reality for these guys who are coming in. The game will leave you different. It will leave you injured. It will leave you unable to do the things you could do when you were 21 and 22 years old. And it's part of the price you're paying. And and one area where you can take care of yourself and protect yourself is when they start saying, take this, take this shot, take this pill, because they want you to be able to play today. They don't care about what it may do to you tomorrow. Yeah. Are you, are like, is anyone surprised by any of this? I knew in college football, that the the coaches have to win to keep their jobs and and there's a bit of survival from them. And by the way, you should you should know. Like if you're a roofer, guess what? Your back's probably going to hurt when you're older. Like any manual labor, if you do it for any extensive period of time, your your physical impact is going to going to join, right? I advocate for players all the time. I say in college, they should be allowed to get paid in the same way you should be able to get paid in any other industry when you're 19, 20, 21 years old. Why? Because you're an adult. I don't think you should be treated like kids. I don't think you should be treated like children. So if you're in the NFL and somebody tells you to do something to your body and you don't want to do it, guess what? Don't do it. And if you want to do it, weigh the the risks and do it. If you want to talk to your own doctors, that's what adults do. You want to get a second opinion? That's what adults do. Don't blame the NFL. And I'm not saying, actually, Byron Jones, to his credit, didn't blame the NFL for any of this. He said, do not do this, do not do that. But he didn't say it's their fault. He's just saying, I, like, don't do what I did. I, I, if you make your living smashing into 300-pound physical athletes, are you going to be surprised that you're sore when you're 35 years old, which by the way, I'm 32. I'm sore. And then it's not just because I played like my friends that are 32 that didn't play sports. Occasionally wake up, right? You slept wrong. Your neck's sore, right? Your back cracks, whatever it is. Just the other day, I, uh, I was at my office here and I, it was one of those days where like you get locked in and I, I just was working at my desk for like two, two and a half hours without standing up. I stood up, both ankles cracked, hit the hallway, both knees cracked, and then a couple steps later, my hip hurt, so I kind of did a little lean, my, my hip cracked, and somebody from behind me was like, good lord, just walking through the office. I'd like, well, yeah, I mean, some of it probably has to do with the fact that I used to throw a bunch of weight on a bar, get underneath it, and, and try to get my butt to touch my ankles and stand back up. Like, there, you just how, where's the common sense here? Like I said, if you, if you do a job that puts your body under a ton of stress, 
You have to expect some form of physical impact. Now, it's a bummer. I feel bad if Byron Jones really can't run and jump because, first of all, he's the type of athlete like probably could have been an Olympic high jumper, long jumper. Like he had that ability. I don't want to see that sapped, anyone sapped of that superpower. But at the same time, you have to weigh the risks in anything you do. Right? Don't don't go be a NASCAR driver and then bl- like get frustrated if there's a car crash. It's like, yeah, you know what? That's kind of the thing that you pay. That's kind of the thing that everybody knows you're risking when you go into that profession. Just again, just like any manual labor job. The and and no no amount of what what would it say? Hold on. No amount of professional success or financial gain is worth avoidable chronic pain and disabilities. Well, the avoidable part of it is don't play it. Right? Like, it's avoidable in many, many ways. You can either not play or or you can not take the pill. You can say, I need to, to stay out. And, and sure, is the team going to look at your cross if you say, I don't want to do everything I possibly can to get on the field as quick as I possibly can? Probably. But again, it's your body. So... And you're an adult, so make your decision. I, I just don't get the surprise of it. He said it. It's disappointing. I understand feeling empathy for him and wishing that it wasn't that way. But at the same time, I hear athletes retire all the time. And what do they say? Well, I want to get out when I can still, you know, my body still works and I can play with my kids. Andrew Luck, Luke Keekley, Calvin Johnson. These are all pros. That had millions and millions and millions of dollars still on the table for him. Blake Martinez. I just I just uh, saw a stat. Blake Martinez, a linebacker in the NFL, played in the NFL for seven years, made $30 million. Since he retired like 15 months ago or whatever it was, he's made $5 million trading Pokemon cards. You can have your own priorities, right? You can go do other things. But if you're playing in that sport, you kind of understand what you're getting yourself into. Right? Don't go be an Olympic swimmer and then say, gosh, and the whole time I was tasting chlorine. It's like that comes with the territory. Call or text in 757-687-9494. And morally, by the way, morally, you can say the NFL should do more. You can, they should protect their players. They should monitor shots and pills more. Morally, you can get into it. But just from the player's perspective, your, your body is going to be used and abused in that sport. Protect it with your own decision-making. Tim Donnelly Show, Priority Auto Sports Radio 94.1. Uh, Alabama, Brandon Miller update. He continues to play. There continues to be some, uh, I would say, not the best awareness decisions being made. More nuance on the subject coming up. You're listening to the Tim Donnelly Show, where it's okay to yell and scream at each other as long as you get a drink after the Tim Donnelly Show on Priority Auto Sports Radio 94.1. Tim Donnelly Show, Priority Auto Sports Radio 94.1. I want to revisit a conversation from last week with a little bit more information. Uh, every once in a while you have one of these these topics on air and you get a lot of feedback and you go, all right, let's, let's make sure we're all on the same page here. Uh, Brandon Miller, still playing for Alabama, never wasn't playing for Alabama, was never sat out for a game, suspended for anything. I still don't think he should be playing for Alabama. 
but I'm open to more conversation about it, right? I, the text line got very mad at me. Some some Twitter people got very mad at me. But I'm I'm going to stick to my guns here a little bit. For the details, that's a poor choice of words. I apologize. I'm going to stick to my stance for a little bit here. Tuscaloosa detective Brandon Culpepper testified last Tuesday uh, that Miller brought his now ex-teammate Darius Miles' gun to Darius Miles the night of a fatal shooting of 23-year-old Jamea Harris after Miles texted and asked him asked him to do so. Again, for full disclosure, for full uh, uh, explanation here, Miller has not been charged with a crime, and Tuscaloosa Chief Deputy District Attorney Paul Whitley told uh, ALAlabama.com on Tuesday there's nothing they could charge him with. Both the head coach of Alabama and investigators said Miller has completely cooperated with police. That's where we stand. The thing that I I am very much sticking to is that there is a large gap between a situation in which a player should not be allowed by their school to continue playing college basketball for a period of time. I'm not saying his career should be over, but some form of suspension or some form of being held out, there's a large gap between what should constitute that kind of decision-making and criminal activity. Right, You don't necessarily have to be found guilty of something in a court of law in order for the appropriate response to be, we're going to hold you out from playing college basketball. Jay Billis, uh, earlier this, this, or a couple days ago we'll say, uh, was on ESPN explaining his thoughts. And keep in mind, Jay Billis is a former lawyer, went to law school, so he has a background uh, on the legal side of this, and now he's a college basketball uh, analyst. So here's Jay Billis on the Brandon Miller situation at Alabama. I think that Alabama has handled this uh, about as well as you can, with the exception of Nate Oates, his press conference where he should have just said, this is a pending legal matter. Alabama and Brandon Miller have cooperated fully with authorities and will continue to do so. But beyond that, we have no further comment. That's what he should have said. And that should be the answer to all of these questions, because some of these issues, Alabama is not able to shed appropriate light on and rightfully so. Brandon Miller has rights. the, The authorities have told Alabama that he is a witness, not a suspect there is no indication that he has violated any law and they know him better than we do the problem i have with everything the one problem i have with anything that he just said is brandon miller has rights of course he has a ton of rights every person has rights playing college basketball is not a right that's a privilege right you can't have your rights taken away for showing up late to a team meeting You can have the privilege of playing basketball taken away for showing up late to a team meeting or having poor grades or talking back to a coach, right? You can't take away rights for those types of things either. So I'm not saying you take away any of his rights. So you take away the privilege of playing basketball for a little bit until you can have the proper investigation, right? What what Jay Billis failed to mention about uh, the head coach Nate Oates putting his foot in his mouth when he said wrong time wrong place about Brandon Miller is when when the coach spoke he was unaware of the revelations from the hearing earlier that day and the revelations from that hearing were that Brandon Miller got a text to say deliver the gun can you bring it to me and he did it now uh, like maybe I'm thinking of it too simply but when it comes to to murder which is what what happened I think it is kind of simple. If you deliver the murder weapon 
to a ex now ex teammate at the time a teammate after midnight on a Saturday night, there has to be some kind of 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 player protocol that was broken. And and I said Alabama wasn't taking it seriously enough. I still believe Alabama is not taking it seriously enough. And like the this isn't in and of itself a bigger problem. This thing I'm about to bring up next, but it does show how the seriousness was not not emphasized. So Brandon Miller throughout the year apparently during starting introductions he walks out right you know how the 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 players that aren't playing make a little tunnel and the starters sit down on the bench and when they say you know now starting number so and so from so and so they stand up they walk down the tunnel sometimes there's someone standing at the end to do a little choreograph usually a high five some kind of uh chest bump something so Brandon Miller and I've seen this before I've seen others do it so it's not like they created this this season has been walking out of the tunnel, standing with his arms out, and a walk-on on the team. I don't know why it was – in all of this, the the articles, it was emphasized that they were a walk-on. I have no idea why. We're just – one of his teammates pats him down as if, like, he's being frisked. And then he walks over to, uh, you know, usually shake hands or fist bump the opposing team's coach and then wait with the other starters. It seems like if you're involved at all, whether as a witness – as a as anything with a murder investigation you should understand the seriousness and you should say hey you know what maybe we should stop with the pat down introduction but they didn't think of that and they continued to do it so in the game since he's been allowed to play they've been continuing with the pat down starter introduction until someone brought it in a post-game press conference to the attention of the head coach again a, a, a stupid, meaningless introduction, choreographed, whatever, is not that big of a deal. But the fact that nobody saw this and said, hey, you know what? We should respect the seriousness of this situation and not do that is the problem. Right? We've seen players suspended for for much, much less. So I'm like, just to say, you know, I'm not going to sit here and, and say what should have been done and not get, here's what I would do if I were Alabama. I would say we're going to hold them out of games pending a further investigation. I would do as much investigating as I possibly can into everything that's come forth to to find out what was, you know, in the text messages, which is all in court court records, but also make sure he didn't know what the the weapon was being delivered for. Probably hold them out a week. Let him get back to playing. I, is that crazy? I'm not, again, I'm not saying that he should have any rights taken away. I'm not saying that his career should be over. I'm saying, based on what I know, the guy probably shouldn't have been playing before the coach knew what was going to come out in the investigation. And now that you've let it go on this long, you're kind of pot committed. Seems to be Alabama's choosing to, to dig their heels in on an issue that I would not. And again, out of respect for Jamea Harris and her family, I would take it a bit more seriously than they are. Tim Donnelly Show, Priority Auto Sports Radio 94.1. Call or text in 757-687-9494. It's the the call-in line. It's also the Dreamlawns text line. 757-687-9494. We have a new entry into the Commander's Buying Sweepstakes. 
Tillman Fertitta, the head coach of the Houston Rockets. What could that mean for Commanders fans and players everywhere? Stick around.